and welcome back to Love at First Screening, the show where I, rom-com enthusiast Madison, introduce my friend, co-host, and resident genre skeptic Chelsea. That's me. To all the feel-good, cliche, romantic, questionable, hilarious, occasionally humorous, films she's never wanted to watch. But this week, we're not watching anything. Surprise! (laughs) You thought. No, this week, Chelsea, we are looking back, we're reminiscing, we're drowning in the nostalgia of looking at something that we have both created as if it were our own digital child. Because over the course of a much shorter gestation than a child, admittedly, we created this together You and I. Proud parents. Very tired humans that did not realize the amount of effort it would take to bring this into the world and raise it. Chelsea, I think that you've just gotten to the heart of parenting. And I've never been a parent, so wow. I know. Look, it's just your natural instinct. You just know. You're like, I know exactly how to raise children. I think you should start a daycare. Absolutely not. No, thank you. (laughs) I will say that I did get a little just additional teaser of what it would be like to care for anything other than myself today. I've been cat sitting for a friend. She has three cats. One of them is a munchkin cat and he is very dumb and very perfect. Another is a She looks like a teenage cat, but she's full grown and she's normal and she's very sweet. And then there is Oliver and Oliver is on every terrorist watch list in existence, countries and territories alike. And Grace, to her credit today, she's the normal one. She did throw up, but she very gracefully, if you will, did not throw up on the carpet, which I really appreciated. But Oliver did take what I like to call a revenge shit. You know, like when cats get pissed off at you for some reason, they just go take the most worst, like massive shit and then refuse to cover it up. And he somehow also managed to get some of that. It was cohesive to his credit in his food bowl, which was like three feet away. I don't I don't want to know how, um, but I feel like that's what motherhood is. Yeah. Dealing with other living things, bodily fluids and functions is, I feel, integral to the parenting experience. I don't even want to deal with my own. Exactly. So, and you wanted me to open a daycare? Do you know how many humans, bodily functions and fluids I'd have to deal with? Absolutely not. I want to take back my previous statement. I don't think that anyone should have that burden on them. Absolutely not. You heard it here, folks. Madison is pro not having any children. Just the slow and steady decline of the human population, I guess, is what I'm advocating for in a non-discriminatory way. So Chelsea, we've gone through, at this point, they will have heard, what, 14 other episodes? 13 to 14 other episodes, yes. Ideally, if they've actually listened to all of them. Well, why wouldn't they? I just assumed that it'd be sort of like drugs. Where you just get a little bit and suddenly you're hooked. Like we're essentially the podcast version of 
heroin? I don't know. I don't know what drug is the worst one to shoot. Meth? Are we meth? I'm pretty sure that heroin is one of the worst drugs. You know, my dad the other day asked me, hey, do you speak heroin? And I'm like, um, I guess conversationally, maybe? I I don't know. And he goes, do you know how much heroin is in a bundle? And now this just feels like one of those math questions where they go, little Timmy has 14 watermelons and he's driving a truck at 60 miles per hour and the watermelons are not safely secured and 17 of them go bouncing off the back of the truck. How is that possible when you started out with 12? And it turns out, Chelsea, if I am not mistaken, that approximately 20 grams of heroin is often split between 12 bundles and then or maybe it's 10 grams split across 12 and that once you add them all up like 20 bundles to a brick or 10 bundles to a brick either way what I'm trying to say is I still don't speak heroin that was a very long-winded way of saying it but I think that is pretty representative of this podcast so Good on you. Keeping it consistent even in bonus episodes. (laughs) So Chelsea, I think that uh, the main thing that people want to know is our villain origin story and how we came to be this. And I don't think that we have time to start all the way back at our individual births. So I think instead, um, we do have to admit that we did not meet on Craigslist in the Feet Picks section. But what a meeting that would have been. I know, because I think that it would have really began with a strong entrepreneurial spirit. Like, hey, your feet picks are so well produced. I would like mine to be better produced. Would you like to sync up? Instead, we're trying to sync up audio. Yeah, which is a little less riveting. Sexy? Yeah, it's definitely less sexy, although I will say that I'm convinced that I have troll feet. I don't think that I could get $5 a toe, which is my asking price. (laughs) Your face. In truth, we met in college, and I do believe that we met in likely the most official and continuous capacity of the writing center. We were both tutors in the writing center. I don't know that it was the writing center. I feel like I was introduced to you as a writing tutor, but it was not in the writing center. I think we had a class together and somebody said, oh, this is Madison. She also works in the writing center. Because for some reason, I feel like you weren't at some meeting that you should have been at. That's honestly very likely that I was not at a meeting either because of my work schedule or my class schedule or my sleep schedule. Yeah, I actually think that it was Dr. Donna Gazelle's linguistics class that we actually shared with a listener who listens with his girlfriend. And I want his girlfriend to know that one, she's an absolute star and she'll get that joke. I'm sure she's heard it several times. But I just want that listener to know uh, the male part of that listenership, that he was a complete asshole in that class. I've told him that he's quite aware. So I guess Chelsea and I truly met more deeply in that class. 
we also had technical writing together, although we were on opposite sides of the room, so we didn't interact as much. I know you weren't in my uh, fake band that I used to get out of writing an actual grant proposal. Instead, I wrote a proposal for a literary-themed rock band and then planned a world tour and an album recording and somehow managed to use that as my final project and evade other work. I was really jealous to not be part of that group because I really wanted to be in that group. And what I ended up doing is I also got out of writing a grant proposal because I told the professor, I want to write a user manual for chocolate chip cookies, how to take an initial recipe, alter it to make different types of cookies, and then also discuss storing, freezing, etc. And he said, I don't think you can pull this off. And so I did. You know, every English major I talk to, it seems as if we all go out of our way to avoid doing things that are actually assigned. But I'm starting to wonder if maybe that is actually how English programs function. And instead, getting us to use our creative intuition and skill, they're actually preparing us for the BS jobs that we will face out in the world. Because I've yet to meet someone that, well, that's not true. I've met exactly one person whose voice you will hear in this episode at some point that actually enjoys school and, and wanted to do all of the work the way that it was assigned. Uh, I, however, was would bend over backwards to figure out. And honestly, I felt like in some ways you end up doing more work. It's just I'm doing work that I feel like I've chosen for myself as opposed to work that was assigned to me. And that's the trick to getting Chelsea to do anything is to let her <laughs> think it's her idea. Uh, instead of something assigned by someone else. I think I was telling you the other day, Madison, you said that you were behind on something because you decided to make a baby blanket in a week because that was totally realistic. And I said, I think sometimes we are the same person. I often inside myself unbearable and excruciating projects on really unrealistic timelines. I'm the number one cause of my own suffering. I completely agree with that on a deep personal level like the way that resonates all of my chakras that is very true in fact i believe i was cursing my thought to ever start this podcast just a few weeks ago because i was very behind on editing and it was very late and i was very tired and i was having a meltdown and i was like why did i do this to myself i created this problem I did that with the Simply Irresistible episode. I think I stayed up until like two in the morning editing it the night before it was supposed to release. And I'm like, why didn't I do more of this before? Why did I wait to know? And yeah. But I will say that, Chelsea, when I first met you in that class and then working with you in the writing center, I was thoroughly convinced that you did not like me. You know, this is something a lot of people tell me. I don't know why people are like, yeah, I thought you hated me. I don't. I think it's because I just don't like talking to people, mostly because I (laughs) I despise small talk. I never want to do it. The question's like, oh, what do you do for a living? What are your career goals? The weather is so lovely. These are so uninteresting. I feel like it would be better if we asked people questions like, What is your current obsession? And then I could go on a tangent about dragons or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or my love of the convenience store Wawa, which is superior to all other places on earth. And I would have a great time. And the person would probably look at me like I had eight heads, but hey, they asked. I completely agree. I think what it was, was when I was around you, 
we were in larger crowds where I felt, and I say larger crowds, it just wasn't one-on-one. That was the thing, is it wasn't one-on-one. And so to diffuse my own tension, I just treat all situations like they are stand-up comedy routines for myself because I feel uncomfortable. (laughs) And I was like, this has to be annoying for her. I feel annoyed by myself. Your facial expressions are much like that of like a cat. It's not that you look annoyed or anything like that. It's just like, unless you're smiling, there's a look of cool indifference. And I'm like, she's so bored with me. I'm bored with me. I understand. This is the best news I've ever heard. (laughs) The fact that I have a look of cool indifference. I feel like my street cred is, wow, Um, am I a cool person? Yeah, that's why I was desperately like hoping to be your friend and was like, no, there's no way she's going to tolerate me. I am just fucking loud and annoying. I also feel that I am loud and annoying. God, look at us. Our mutual insecurities in this moment. And there's someone listening that just went, yeah, they can be fucking loud and annoying together now. (laughs) Aw, friendship. That's how we met. We met in college and I convinced you to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And to this day still annoys me that there's someone in our lives that thinks you're the bigger Buffy fan than I am. And that drives me insane. It's me, though. I am the biggest Buffy fan. She made your contact photo Buffy and I got so angry. (laughs) That's true. Although I think it's really funny Because your contact picture in my phone is Sister Michael from Dairy Girls rolling her eyes, which I think is actually an incredible likeness to what you do when you roll your eyes. And uh, I was watching Dairy Girls with Paul. We were watching the latest season on Netflix. And he goes, I feel like... She has Chelsea's energy, just completely unprompted. He goes, I feel like she has Chelsea's energy. And I was like, you have no idea. That is so sweet. Um, I am touched. Sister Michael is my favorite character on Dairy Girls. She is who I aspire to be. She's a grumpy woman. Which we She love. doesn't apologize. Yeah, I love a grumpy woman. I've established that. She doesn't apologize for things. And she just does what she wants. And she's like in a position of authority, like... Who's going to mess with a nun? That's true. I also want you to know on my Instagram DMs, this was sent to me personally. I have a lovely friend. She sent me a message after listening to the episode where we talk about Zoe Deschanel and loving grumpy women. And she said, bro, the conversation about a grumpy woman made me feel so understood. And I said, they're the hottest. And she goes, I agree. I aspire for sure. We love a grumpy woman. And Sister Michael is a grumpy woman. So we we met through the writing center. But how did we get here, Chelsea? I'm so glad you asked, Madison. So despite my best efforts, I've not been able to shake Madison's presence. (laughs) I moved twice to different states and yet we talk weekly, if not daily. So clearly (laughs) she's not going away. I like to think of myself as a really adorable stalker of yours. Like I know where your mom lives. 
I talked to your sister. I've- I'm sorry. The fact that you started with, I know where your mom lives. <laughs> yeah, that does sound bad. Out of, out of all, <laughs> it, even in context, that sounds terrible. Even as a joke, the fact that you started with, I know where your mom lives. <laughs> Incredible. Um, After we graduated, we kept in touch via a book club and also a film group that didn't start as a film group but has evolved into one and um you constantly bring up rom-coms all the time it's the only language i know when i say that she brings up rom-coms in conversation it's like she has an encyclopedic knowledge of them in that (laughs) I speak to her quite often and I very rarely hear her reference the same movie, certainly not the same scene in a movie, which is hilarious because I hear you tell the same goddamn stories all the time. So the fact that <laughs> the fact that all of the rom-com discussions have been separate, how on earth? Obviously, I I don't like rom-coms. It's not a genre that I gravitate towards. I'm not saying that there aren't ones that I've enjoyed in the past. Not saying there weren't. It won't be ones that I enjoy in the future, but it's just not a genre that I am looking for when I sit down to watch something. And so the fact that you had all this inside knowledge, and it's like you had a reference for everything. We could be talking about any topic. And the way that I can turn any topic into an opportunity for me to discuss my favorite vampire slayer You can take any topic and turn it into an opportunity to discuss romantic comedies. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seemed almost confused that I didn't know what you were talking about. Oh, yeah. No, I just assume, much like a child, that everything that I reference and talk about, everyone knows. Like, it's just the shared common knowledge from our primal ancestors that you would know. And I don't. You do now, to a degree. Yeah, you know, it's funny. After starting this, my FYP is all fucked up. I get rom-com compilations. Oh, here's 10 underrated rom-coms. Things pop up on my Instagram feed, my TikTok. It's just a matter of time before Nora Ephron's ghost and Meg Ryan show up at my door to ask me to join a cult or something. So I actually have arranged a little treat for you. The ghost of Gary Marshall. The ghost of Nora Ephron. And I couldn't afford anyone but uh, Deborah Messing. But she's been in rom-coms, so it's okay. And they're going to do like a Charles Dickens reenactment for you. Where Deborah Messing is just going to drive up to your door and show you rom-coms present. And Gary Marshall will show you rom-coms past. And Nora Ephron will show you rom-coms future. Great. Yeah, it'll be really fun. Um, I hope that you have a $50 uh, cash tip for Deborah Messing. Oddly enough, she demanded it and I did not have time to overnight like FedEx you a crisp $50 bill. I just assume you have that lying around in couch cushions or something since we have so many sponsors. But yeah, so Chelsea didn't get my rom-com references somehow. She doesn't have the same encyclopedic knowledge I do. I feel like at some point someone joked about, I'm going to sit you down and make you watch all these movies. And here we are. And look, I could pretend for the fun of it that this wasn't my idea. (laughs) But like it also was my idea. (laughs) It was. And I think that's the best part is that you just texted me one day and were like, hey, why don't we make this a podcast? And I was like, absolutely. I want nothing more. And here we are. Here we are. 
And here all our laughsters and laughlings are. I love that. That's our fans and listeners' names. So I guess some of our listeners don't necessarily have to be fans. But at the very least, they're listeners. And they are laughsters. And laughlings if you are a minor. So at least one. Who we're going to have to make some tiny merch for. You know, (laughs) this is the other difference between Madison and I. I tend to be the type of person that's like, let's go, let's do it. Let's run with this idea because I'm excited about it. But Madison allows herself to like dream in a way that I will not because I hate being disappointed. So she constantly talks about merch. But now not only is Madison talking about merch, my aunt who I talk to weekly brings up, you could sell this. She texted me just the other day and (laughs) said that we should cross stitch on a pillow something your sister said in episode 11, which was that anything can be dance music if you want it to be. I agree, though, that we have to cut Serena in on the profits. They might be able to pay her full ride to college with how many we will sell. Can it pay my full ride to college in uh, retrospect? That would be nice. Yeah, it can pay yours too. Great, great. I mean, look, I feel like I'm not asking for a lot. I just like to pay off my student loans, pay off my car, pay off the small amount of credit card debt I've accrued recently. I would like to pay off my student loans, any credit card debt I have, my car, and also pay for a nice plot of land where I can build a commune of tiny houses with all of my friends living all together, having a beautiful garden and goats and chickens and at least one donkey and also some barn cats and maybe like a herding dog or three. You know, I don't think I'm asking for too much is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that is that is our villain origin story is essentially I just bullied Chelsea into friendship and then she goes, I'm tired of not getting your references that you insist on making. Let's make a podcast where you can torture me on a weekly basis with movies that I largely will not enjoy and we will record the process. Well, speaking of what we did and did not enjoy, I asked you to rank not just the films that we watched this season, all 13 of them, but also the episodes we recorded. And I think it would be fun before we reveal our rankings for each of us to guess the top and bottom of the other person's lists. Okay, so if we're starting out with favorite episodes and we're playing a game of tops and bottoms, then I would say that your favorite episode would probably be straight up. And your least favorite episode, this is difficult because I know which movie I think you like. You know what? No, I've made my decision. I think that your least favorite episode was Sweet Home Alabama. That's exactly right. Oh my God, I'm so good at this game. I don't know that I will be. Oy. All right, so I think your favorite episode, honestly, this it's a toss-up for me. It has to be one of these two. I think that your favorite episode is Simply Irresistible. And if it's not Simply Irresistible, then it's straight up. That is scary accurate. That is scary accurate because it was really hard to choose in between those two. Before I go on with my praise, what is my least favorite? Honestly, I have 
zero idea. I said it was music and lyrics, not because it's necessarily like a bad episode. I just think it was very early on. A part of me thought that maybe your least favorite episode was Rosalind because you mostly just sighed through it. (laughs) You would actually be correct with that. Okay, great. I felt like I wasn't constructive enough in Rosalind. I felt like I literally did. And that's my whole thought process was I felt like I just sighed through that entire episode. So you hit the nail on the head with that. So you did excellent. I, you know what? Great. Each of us gets a stoke up. All right. I think both of us, are, the films will be a lot easier to guess. Yes. I'm very confident in my answers. I think that your favorite film was much like your favorite episode. It was straight up. And I think that your least favorite film was Never Been Kissed. That is absolutely correct. I know that your favorite film was When Harry Met Sally because it is your favorite film. I also think that your least favorite film was Never Been Kissed. Unless it was Rosalind. So that was another tie for me. It was, I could not decide. In my in my ranking, in my order, it was really hard to choose between my favorite number one for episodes, but it was also a tie for my least favorite episodes, and it is a tie for my least favorite movies as well. I want to say Rosalind because I want to give Never Been Kissed the only benefit of the doubt that it could have, which is it included our Lord and Savior, Drew Barrymore. And I still feel so bad because Rosalind was a laughter request. I feel like I just never stopped shitting on that movie. You know, it's funny because ranking the films was a lot easier than ranking the episodes. I mean, not to be full of ourselves, but I don't think we've had a bad episode. Sure, there are things that could be improved. Uh, Your audio for number one. Uh, which we thought we addressed and then you didn't figure out how to use your microphone for like another eight episodes. Look, again, you are asking me not only to purchase an item, but read the instructions. What am I, an adult? All right, Madison, will you reveal to the listeners your ranking of the 13 films that we watched this season? Absolutely. Going through my favorite movies, and I'll try to do this rapid fire. And this is from my least favorite to my most favorite. We go from Rosalind to Never Been Kissed to Sweet Home Alabama to You've Got Mail. And after that, we have Pretty Woman, Single All the Way, Failure to Launch, The Birdcage, Music and Lyrics, Simply Irresistible, The Holiday, Straight Up. And finally, When Harry Met Sally. Wow, our lists are very different. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, coming in at number 13, the worst film, because I'm not going to say least favorite, it was bad, and I never plan on watching it again, (laughs) is Never Been Kissed. Then we've got You've Got Mail, Sweet Home Alabama, Rosalind, Failure to Launch. After this, I would consider perhaps rewatching the movie should the proper circumstances arise. So number eight is Simply Irresistible, When Harry Met Sally, Pretty Woman, and now we have films that I definitely would watch again at some point. Coming in at number five, that is The Birdcage, Single All the Way, Music and Lyrics, The Holiday, and of course, number one, Straight Up. 
I would watch it right now. I actually really appreciate how high music and lyrics is in your list. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. I liked that movie. I just hated that they ended it up together. That's really my number one complaint. I liked the movie. I thought it was cute and I definitely would watch it again. But I, I don't like the romance aspect. I don't know why they're together. I, I maintain that. I know I said that in the episode, but I maintain that opinion. I think it's a fair opinion. I know that our laughters writing in definitely have opinions on things like that, too. When we asked listeners to write in and tell us what you were feeling, a few listeners decided to tell us about particular moments in episodes or about particular films we watched for those episodes. And so starting with episode five, titled A Plot Only Southerners Could Love, in which we talked about Sweet Home Alabama, listener Paul from Washington State said, Sweet Home Alabama fucking sucks. Lassen Cox. Okay, I wish that I had read that before I read it. <laughs> I would have made you read that. I know. I was like, I don't know if I want to read that. And you went for it. I was like, this is amazing. That is some strong language from listener Paul. We apologize. We apologize for the fruity language. And now for the first audio submission for episode six, which was Star-Crossed Lovers and Jilted Others, in which we talked about Rosalind, where listener Victoria of the West Conway House had a differing opinion than the two of us. Take it away, Victoria. What do you mean that you were misled by Rosalind? I don't know what commercials y'all were watching, but I felt like a story about an, uh, this random Romeo and Juliet character wasn't really going to be about the random character. It was going to be about Romeo and Juliet told through a different perspective. So, yes, it was not the feminist retelling bold women are powerful and don't need men that we wanted. Yeah, it wasn't that. But, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I enjoyed the costumes. And, um... Store brand Stanley Tucci. He's funny. In episode seven, Bean Burritos and the Hetero Agenda, where we watched Straight Up, Paul, again from Washington State, wants to clarify that on behalf of the straights, he wants to clarify there is no straight agenda. None of us have any clue what is going on. Again, this is Paul, a man who embodies the concept of bi-wife energy. Thank you, Paul. In episode nine, titled New Episode Launches, McConaughey Doesn't, where we watched Failure to Launch, listener Lucifer and Lady Grey from South Jersey wrote in to say, I would argue that Tripp's parents are the villains of this movie. I love Kathy Bates as an actor, but parents need to teach their children and empower them to be independent adults. They did everything for him. And when they were sick of it, they hired Paula to not even teach him these things, but to get him out of the house under the premise that if he got a taste of wanting a real meaningful relationship, it would inspire him to leave. However, he is still an incompetent adult, so that won't happen. This is interesting, because I believe we did say that the villain was Trip, but I'm in agreement. Maybe it was the parents. I am too. In retrospect, we definitely got that wrong. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's character was not the villain. I deeply think 
that it was Kathy Bates's character. Also, the the dad, to a lesser degree. The dad mostly just kind of put up with his shenanigans while Kathy Bates was like, let me do your laundry and feed you and vacuum your room and treat you like you are a nine-year-old instead of a 35-year-old. So South Jersey's got it going on. Yeah, they know what's what. And then in episode 10, Sugar Butter Guillermo, where we watched Simply Irresistible with our guest Emma, Laura and Aiden in Colorado said, The only fix we want to offer is a different male lead for Simply Irresistible. I've never seen a man opposite Sarah Michelle Gellar ever before or since, and I think that the legendary Buffy Summers deserves a more illustrious co-star. Laura and Aiden, you could not have said that better. It goes back to the idea that we can put a goddess of a woman next to a man who resembles a jar of high-quality mayonnaise and think that that is a good romantic pairing. So my question for you, Madison, is, who should we recast opposite Sarah Michelle Gellar in Simply Irresistible? Here's the thing, Chelsea. I'm not sure that a man worthy exists. Great. What woman should we cast opposite <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar in Simply Irresistible? Okay, I know that it's been done before, but Selma Blair? Ugh. They're a good pairing. They are. Have you seen they Cruel Intentions? So oh, it's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> No, I genuinely think that every movie that Sarah Michelle Gellar is in should also feature Selma Blair. Great. I'm pretty sure they're friends, so I think that uh, they both would probably be amenable to that. I think so, too. I think that would be great. And Chelsea, just to sort of piggyback off the idea of what goes on, in Sugar Butter Guillermo, and then continues throughout future episodes. Uh, we have another write-in that says, "Longtime co-host, first time writing in, Chelsea, who would you choose to replace Madison next season from uh, Madison in Georgia? Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Madison, uh, for asking me this question. Ideally, I would love to host this podcast myself uh, and have a rotating co-host, perhaps the very stars of these films. I would love to talk to Sarah Michelle Gellar about Simply Irresistible and ask her, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. Especially with the hair color. You know, you and Emma really hate her as a redhead and I think she looks fine. I don't know. I just think I, that I do not have a problem with the red hair. I do have a problem with a lot of other things that are happening in that film, but not, the red <laughs> hair was the least of my worries. Um, I also just myself did want to ask, we've seen several different animals throughout these films. We have the Mockingbird in Failure to Launch. We have obviously our crab homeboy Guillermo. We also had the dog in Sweet Home Alabama. So do you have a favorite animal from these movies and why is it Guillermo? I love that the question was phrased, do you have a favorite animal and why is it Guillermo? I mean, he there isn't a better one. No, no, no. Yeah, Guillermo's my favorite. Look, I <laughs> I have a soft spot for Guillermo because I think that he is a prime example of being taken for granted. He's also a really good example of the animal kingdom itself in that 
they cannot speak for themselves and yet they are capable of doing the things that they do naturally. Uh, for Guillermo, that's uh, helping Sarah Michelle Geller concoct recipes that will turn people on, make them sob. But for other animals, it might be licking their hindquarters to keep things sanitary, you know? Why do we know better? The answer is we don't. We try and interrupt because we think we're special. Uh, and I would argue that we're not. I would argue that we are arrogant as a species, the the human, the human race. And um, I just, I appreciate Guillermo. Like I said, I will be representing him pro bono, of course, in an upcoming trial in which he sues that awful man we're replacing with Selma Blair. Perfect. I think that Guillermo was my favorite because he looked so dapper in a suit. And I love that for him. He's fashionable. He's a fashion icon, a whiz in the kitchen, literally magical, helps people get laid. That just really gets down to the core of having a tough exterior and a squishy inside. And I love that for him. And I love that for us. Also, I want to quickly complain about the poll results for episode 10, because I feel like everyone picked Remy from Ratatouille, not because they actually wanted to uh, enjoy that particular animal experience, but because that was the only character they knew by sight. I would agree. The question was, whose adventure do you want to go on? And I have a hard time believing that people genuinely, out of the options listed, wanted rodent puppetry more than anything else. I know nobody knows who Bait is, which honestly, everybody go watch The Dragon Prince. It's incredible. It's on Netflix. But Bait's adventure is the ultimate snack heist. Who doesn't like a snack? I think that it just says a lot of weird shit about our listenership that they would vote for a hair pulling rat. Yep. And I want you to take a hard look at all of your ex lovers and wonder if you have not already dealt with a hair pulling rat. Do you want to go through that again? I don't think you do. All right. So episode 11, tis the season to fa la 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 fall for Jack Black, in which we discuss the holiday. Listener Paul from Washington State, who apparently had a <laughs> lot to say. I did ask him if he had any input and he provided. Uh, he said, Chelsea sounds so New England in this episode. And to that I say, Paul, please elaborate. Oh, actually, say the word mom. Mom? Yep, that's it. You know, my friend was just making fun of me for this. I was actually thinking about it the other day, how your ah uh and uh is often more reduced to like an eh, and I love it. He also said Malia Araya over Florence Pugh in the holiday remake. Blondes have had their day. It's time for the age of dark hair. If only I knew Paul from Washington State and knew if he had a proclivity for dark-haired people. But alas, he is a stranger to us. Actually, he is a stranger to me. I it's have true. never met him. It's very true. You've never met him. Your sister has met him. Twice. You have not. Twice. That's so funny. So those are, those are the specific comments that we got per episode of fixes and such. But Chelsea... I want to tell you the requests that we got as well, because these also came from Paul. <laughs> oh, my God. Great. 
Well, Great. he said that he wanted to provide uh, commentary on what he liked, which I then uh, translated to what our listeners in general want to hear more of. And that is more embarrassing childhood stories, more tangents, and more embellishments. So I think that we should both each tell a, a embarrassing childhood story right now. I got nothing. I've never been embarrassed a day in my life. I don't think I've ever done anything embarrassing. Can't come up with a single thing. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to fulfill that request. Please wait two to ten business days and perhaps we can fulfill the request at that time. Our embarrassing childhood stories are on back order due to supply chain issues. I think the more tangents are just inevitable and more embellishments as well are simply inevitable. You know what's so funny is that Madison and I take turns editing these episodes and I have a hunch that I am far more mean when it comes to editing and I will <laughs> I will straight up cut out things that I'm like Nobody wants to hear this. <laughs> Whereas I don't think Madison does because I listen to the episodes that she edits and I go, I would have cut that. Yeah, I think that our value lies in just our wacky, zany tangents that lead nowhere and refer to nothing. But here's my point. My point is that there will continue to be tangents because if you put the two of us in a room together... We're just going to say the things that we have to say. But depending on who's editing that episode, you may or may not hear those tangents. It's true. It's true. I keep some of them in. I just don't keep all of them in. Let me tell you, Chelsea, there was one that I cut from this, uh, the last episode that I edited, which at this point was single all the way. And there was one tangent that I knew I was going to cut. Like we had already stated that we were going to cut it. But as I was listening to it, I'm like, dear God, the fact that that story came out of my mouth and I explained it. I just want to apologize to everyone, even if you didn't hear it. I want to apologize to God. I want to apologize to any priest in the area. So, yeah. You know, it's funny, right? So I I recently asked on Instagram who should replace you in 2023. And someone said Madison's alter ego. And in that moment, I was so sad because I actually cut out of episode 11 a little tangent that the three of us went on in which we asked, what would you rename yourself? In which you did discuss your alter ego, Delilah Jenkins. And I also sang a altered version of the plain white tees, Hey There, Delilah. (laughs) If editing me feels so inclined, she will find that and insert it here. And Chelsea's still mad that my box is bigger because her name got listed first in the lineup on the logo. It's alphabetical order. Wow. And literally, you cannot blame me. I did not name myself. But you could rename yourself. People do that all the time for good reasons and for bad reasons. True. If you could rename yourself, both of you, what would you choose? This is a really big question that I didn't let you prepare for at all. Nope, not at all. First name that popped in my head, Delilah Jenkins. Don't know why. That's what we're going with. Where did that come from? I don't know. I don't look like either of those names. Like, that doesn't resonate with me at all. But that's my new name. I don't know. I feel like you could be a Delilah. That's kind of nice. Hey there, Delilah. What's it like in Bethel, Georgia? (laughs) 
Uh, is it Bethel? Bethlehem. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> hey there, Delilah. <laughs> What's it like in Bethlehem over there in Georgia? Somewhere. I don't know quite. I'm not looking at a map. Okay. I'm done. I've seen that live before. I saw the Plain White Tees perform opening for Rob Thomas once. I had free tickets that I won through the radio. Okay. Even just a first name. Do we have alternative first names for either of you? I can pick this name because this person doesn't exist in this dimension. I'm going to be Lila Bard, which is actually short for Delilah. So we'll both be Delilah, but I'm going to shorten mine to Lila. She uses a lot of knives and takes a lot of names, if you know what I mean. That's hot. Yeah, exactly. So that's who I'm going to be. Serena, what if you just renamed yourself a totally random, nondescript name that no one's ever heard? Spider-Man. Perfect. She says wearing a Marvel shirt. It's a Spider-Man shirt. It does have Spider-Man on the back. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Hulk. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Here with the jokes all week. (laughs) Try the veal. But don't, because Chelsea's a vegetarian and she wouldn't endorse that. You know what I would like to see as we continue, uh, or rather, what I would like to hear? This is not a visual medium. I want to sing more songs. I think we can do that. You texted me while you were editing <laughs> an episode in which uh, we dis- our FaceTime disconnected, and I sang a song in the interim. And it was so good. Like, I was sitting there just crying laughing because i just didn't expect it like because one i had forgotten that we cut out so there was this huge gap of audio and i was like oh god what happened here and then i realized what was happening because chelsea began began narrating through song what had happened and i i I swear to god i almost pissed myself i thought it was so amazing so I completely agree. We need more musical interludes. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of sounds, a listener that we've heard from previously in this episode also, out of the graciousness of her own heart, took it upon herself to provide a number of sound effects that we are able to use free of charge in the future. And I will play that selection for you right now. Take it away, Victoria. I'm just going to submit random sounds that I will let you use free of charge for your podcast, okay? <clears throat> Romance. Arriba! Ay. Mm. <gasps> 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 oh my god. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my whole entire life. And they were roommates. I'll do another one. Let's take that from the top. All right, that's all I got. That's all, folks. (laughs) So if we so choose, you could hear any of these sounds in future episodes of Love at First Screening. I think that's incredible. And I'm very grateful that Victoria decided to give those to us free of charge. Generosity knows no bounds amongst laughsters. And I appreciate the fuck out of that. Well, Chelsea, we we had requests and we had some edits, but we also had some general questions. Well, we had a question that was really 
inspiring. And I think that for season two, I might have to start doing it. Have you considered creating a rom-com drinking game? Here's the thing. Any game that I would create would likely result in alcohol poisoning. But there were a few times while we were watching these that I thought, God, that would make such a fun drinking game. I'll just go through a couple of the movies that I had that moment with. The number one being Failure to Launch. Take a shot every time Sarah Jessica Parker makes that like scream squeal noise that she makes. Just full shot. In The Holiday, take a shot every time you realize that you might actually be in love with Jack Black. Again, alcohol poisoning. When Harry Met Sally... Take a drink every time that you see an outfit that Sally is wearing that would be completely impractical to wear wherever you are, whenever you are, but that you desperately want. For Rosalind, take a drink every time Madison paused. For listening to the episode, take a drink every time Madison sighed. <laughs> For episode four, take a drink every time that Chelsea said that this felt like a felony. <laughs> Oh, it's kind of like uh, watching uh, Hayao Miyazaki films with me. You just take a drink every time I either go, aww, or that's so nice. If you have ideas for Love at First Screening rom-com drinking game, please submit them to loveatfirstscreening at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at loveatfirstscreening. I also want to say that we got some amazing comments specifically from this one listener named Haley who quote by the way is definitely not Marissa and just in case you were concerned that it definitely was from Marissa the email we received uh was from definitely not Marissa 2 at gmail.com who took definitely not Marissa 1 I don't know (laughs) (laughs) but from Haley who is definitely not Marissa Uh, She did say, I just want to say that the guest you had on in episode three was absolutely wonderful. I think you should bring her back sometime. Well, Haley, not Marissa, challenge accepted. Marissa, start thinking about what movie you want to watch from a selected list of movies that we will send you. Or just to bring it back to episode three, we did discuss a certain film that a listener sent us a message about. So here's for the third and final time, listener Victoria and her championing Stardust as a rom-com. Take it away, Victoria. Okay, so not only is Stardust a romantic comedy, it's one of the few book-to-movie adaptations where the movie is a thousand percent better than the book. I can't tell you how disappointed I was when I read Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Disgusting. Anyway, so... One, by Love at First Screening's own criteria, it is humorous. It's funny as hell. Two, they go on dates, and they're really, really cute dates, and they're adorable and fantastical and cute as hell. Both characters are adorable and royal AF. Three, the love story is essential to the movie's plot. So there, it's a romantic comedy. End of story. So I humbly submit it to you for a podcast episode. Well, 
Victoria, I don't know whether or not we agree. However, we do appreciate you listing out the criteria and taking the time to do so. So, Madison, maybe we should watch Stardust at some point. And if we do, we have already promised Marissa that she will come back and be a guest on that episode. It's true. I'm more than happy to do that. That sounds excellent. We do have some really nice submissions from listeners that wrote in to say some really lovely things about us. I don't think that they were paid by either of our moms either, which is really nice. Really, really touching that these people took the time to write in and say something when they were not paid to do so. The first that we have here is from Maria in Tallahassee. It says... Dear Laughs hosts, it has been an absolute blast to hear the both of you laugh and joke about these movies we've grown up watching. I can remember watching these movies and wanting to get deeper into the lore and the ways I would like to change the movie. And now every week I get to laugh right along with you as you do just that. I can tell that the both of you have had a fantastic time recording these episodes. The thought and care you put into your analysis of these rom-com favorites is really evident and has even made me rethink and reframe some of my past favorites. I especially loved the fix-it of You've Got Mail, where it's a true enemies to lovers of two competing indie bookstore owners taking on the bigger corporation. I, of course, love the queer fixes as well and hope that next season y'all continue to queer all the movies you watch. Have you seen While You Were Sleeping? Yes, I have. I have it's not. It's set right around the holiday season. So if you don't have a movie chosen for the next holidays, I would love to hear your take on it. Duly noted, we will add it. I can't wait for the end of year retrospective. And I hope for a wildly embellished villain origin story from Madison. I feel like I didn't embellish it enough. So actually, uh, at one point, uh, Maria... Chelsea and I got into a fist fight and she gave me a super black eye and it's one of my proudest achievements and it's all because I said that actually I wasn't quite sure at the beginning what I thought about Tara in Buffy. (gasps) (laughs) And then Maria says so excited for the next season. Thank you so much Maria for that really touching note. They're so nice. All right and then We have a listener on Instagram that said, Hi, Laughs Pod. Laura and Aiden here. We love your podcast, and since Aiden outgrew his day of the week socks, it's basically the only way we can keep the days straight. Wait, really quick. I want to know how I can get Aiden day of the week socks that will fit his feet. Laura, please DM us. I want to buy Aiden more day of the week socks. Spoiler alert. This is my uh, nephew, Aiden. Uh, and she's looked for more day of the week socks, but they don't make them for his growing feet, which honestly feels quite rude. I'm going to crochet him socks. I will crochet him day of the week socks. God damn it. I can't have this happen. Now, they may not include Sunday because, well, God. But... <laughs> <sighs> okay. Aiden would like to request that you review a movie featuring at least one baby next year. He says it would be nice to have some content that is more relatable to him as, we assume, your youngest listener. Thanks for the laughs. Love you guys. How old is Aiden? He's six months old, maybe. Oh, so he's little. little. Yeah, he is definitely 
our youngest listener. We do have a couple other child listeners that mostly just like to dance to the theme song. I'm so sorry, uh, Madison. You mean we have some laughlings? <gasps> we have some laughlings, but not any as little as Aiden. And I'm going to have to learn how to crochet socks because I'm sorry, but that's unacceptable, Laura, that they don't make them. I will figure out how to make them. They will look terrible and he will hate them, but it's the thought that counts. All right. And finally, we have some really lovely thoughts uh, in an audio submission from listener Amanda from Kentucky, who had some lovely things to say about the pod. Take it away, Amanda. Love it for screenings. Honestly, been. One of the highlights of every week for me since it started. Madison and Chelsea provide such an excellent juxtaposition of rom-com enthusiast and rom-com skeptic. It's just wonderful seeing them work together. It is magic in the making. Coming from those two different viewpoints and approaching these films and dissecting them for what's working, what's going well, what do we like about these films, but also approaching what's not working in these films. What are the problematic things? What are the red flags? That we're seeing here uh, just them doing that together and coming to agreement on a lot of things even though they come from these two different viewpoints just chelsea being able to maybe appreciate some of these things about rom-com films that she's not a big fan of the genre but she you know she still laughs at some things and madison um coming to this viewpoint like as as a fan of the genre but also being able to approach these things that are really problematic in the genre. And it's just wonderful to see how they work together and approach that. I also really love the format of the podcast. Guessing if you liked the movie, going over the plot, especially for those who haven't seen that movie. I didn't have to watch Pretty Woman to be able to appreciate the episode where y'all talked about Pretty Woman. The rewrites that y'all do, especially when y'all do extensive rewrites, are just absolutely amazing and every time it just dramatically increases the quality of the story like <laughs> it's like you'll make it so much better and th- these are movies that like some of these are really classic movies we know these plots we know these characters is completely <laughs> rewrite the ending it is so much better and also the watchability score I really love the watchability scores. Not only a way to assess the quality of the film, but also a really amusing way to discuss whether it is pretty good or decent or whether it's just absolute trash. I love the way y'all approach that, so kudos. I should also mention that I am one of the book club friends, as well as an old classmate from college. Madison, Chelsea, I love you guys with all of my heart. I am so in awe of you guys. You are two of the smartest and funniest people i know i'm so glad our paths crossed and i'm so glad that i get to enjoy this podcast every week be able to share it with people be able to see what you guys are creating i adore you guys thank you so much amanda that was all really really lovely we love you too yeah i would say that if i had to create a march madness ranking of my favorite laughsters and laughlings i would simply give up because i don't want to choose favorites i love them all but amanda let me roast a movie that she chose okay and she was so nice about it so nice and i just shat upon it like a goose on a golf course but here's the thing. You've got to let Canada gooses take Canada deuces wherever they please. Chelsea, based on your facial expression, I'm wondering if you have a problem with Canada gooses. And uh, if you have a problem with Canada gooses, you have a problem with me. It's just you let that one marinate. 
I know that we have at least one listener that will really appreciate all of your Letter Kenny references. So shout out to that lovely listener. I'm sorry, Laughster. Laughster. We gotta we gotta make it a thing. We gotta really dig in. And Chelsea, I will say that in perhaps my favorite segment of this episode, we have Conspiracy Corner, where a few of our listeners, and yourself included, have some conspiracy theories about rom-coms that they have been dying to share. First up, we have listener Marissa from the room three doors away from where I'm sitting. She says, I have a conspiracy theory. Maybe. I don't know. Be more confident, Marissa. Yes, you do. I think there is a group that works for the production companies that specializes in finding something super embarrassing about big name celebrities, and they use that info to blackmail them into doing a rom-com. Because how have so many big name celebrities done so many shitty rom-coms? Just a thought. Anyway, you two are perfect. Wow. Well, that's not a conspiracy at all. It's the truth. I would disagree. You have to look at the placement. Oh, no, of- I meant that us being perfect was the truth. Oh, that is correct. I wasn't commenting on the conspiracy theory yet. Gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. We are pretty perfect, I will say. Not a hair out of place on either of our heads. Nope, nope. Ever. We're gorgeous. <laughs> We're gorgeous. That's a terrible accent. Please edit that out, Chelsea. No, Chelsea, keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, Marissa, that I understand your conspiracy theory on its face, but you have to see where these movies fall in their filmography because you typically don't see A-list actors when they are in their A-list prime doing rom-coms. Typically, it's a jump, like a jumping off point Sort of like how a lot of audiobook narrators will start under a pseudonym and record really raunchy and, you know, pulp fiction sort of romance novels. Like Julia Whalen did that. I actually found out what her pseudonym is and I really want to listen to all her raunchy reads now. But I'm not going to blast it on here. You guys can do a Google search because apparently it's really taboo to out audiobook narrators pseudonyms but I think that what it is is they are just doing these shitty films that have decent money backing them to sort of launch their careers because you have this is a double-edged sword though because they can get really pigeonholed really quickly into doing rom-coms you saw that especially with Matthew McConaughey he sort of had to break away from acting for a second and let the general public forget that he was considered predominantly a rom-com star to be able to do more serious work. The same thing with Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, after you know Notting Hill and everything like that, really got forced into a rom-com hole. Um, and you see that with women as well. I mean, Meg Ryan especially. She's the rom-com queen. Uh, Jennifer Aniston got stuck in some rom-coms. You have, you just have a lot of different actors and actresses who ended up being A-list actors, but their rom-com days were earlier because it was probably the easiest paycheck and got their name higher on a casting call. I feel like it's also the same with horror movies. Mm, Yeah, Scream You generally see horror pop up 
earlier in someone's career, unless it's a like a Jordan Peele film. I say as if I have any authority to be speaking on horror, which is a genre <laughs> I avoid like the plague. I think that that's very true, though, because, I mean, look at Jamie Lee Curtis. She ended up, much like her mother, being an absolute scream queen. She's considered sort of in the goddess status of scream queens. And to break away from that, she ended up having to take more sort of less serious roles. So she had to arc into comedy and into like romantic comedies before she could go into anything else. And I think it's interesting to see which route people take because you can either go into romantic comedy or you can be uh, killed with a chainsaw. So I think, Chelsea, would you choose to be killed by a chainsaw rather than being a rom-com protagonist? Like in my actual life? No, 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 no. If you were an actor, Or like if I was going into acting tomorrow. Yeah. And they were like, press here for rom-com, press here for chainsaw. Exactly. I'm going to press here for chainsaw and the people that know why, know why. So we have that. And then we also have uh, two from a previously stated listener who said, Chelsea is right. I don't know if I have to say I anything. love it. Yeah. I'm, it's, I'm, yep, great. I am right. Yes. But That's the end of the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it says, Chelsea is right. Rom-coms are sinister and I can prove it with the collective works of Woody Allen. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this listener has actually offered to be on an episode where we cover a Woody Allen film. So if we want to do that, we can do it. And then the second one says, I think Madison is quietly plotting a pod coup. Is that true, Madison? Well, if I'm quietly plotting it. There's nothing quiet about you. I know. That's the problem with this statement is that that would require me to be quiet ever. If Madison ever committed a murder, she would definitely tell you about it and just hoped you wouldn't rat her out. I'm not saying she's going to be bragging about it. It would depend on her victim. Like, if she killed Woody Allen, then, you know. But she would definitely need to tell you about it. She does not keep things to herself. Yeah, Chelsea, you are completely right. I don't think that I could even plot murder quietly. So if I am plotting a pod coup, you will know because you'll probably be the per- first person that I tell. Be like, hey, Chelsea, I'm planning on overthrowing you uh, like you are an authoritarian government. Just wanted to get your input. Yeah, I I really like to, um, you know, just sort of soundboard, if you will. Well, here's the moment everyone's been waiting for. My conspiracy theories about rom-coms. So I have a theory that rom-coms are put forth by the patriarchy into brainwashing young women into believing that certain toxic behaviors are romantic so that when they become adults... They believe that the way that they're being treated and their typical gender role is the most loving thing that could ever happen to them. I think that children, uh, young women, are, are groomed from a young age to accept terrible, abusive, toxic behaviors and believe fully within their hearts that it is the most romantic thing ever. 
I can actually get behind that pretty well because there's the constant back and forth of whether art imitates life or if life imitates art. Usually it's just a pretty simultaneous push and pull back and forth. But I would say that one of the biggest problems is that a lot of romantic comedies are either written by men or directed and produced by men, even if they are written by women. And the result of that is you cannot escape these patriarchal footholds. And I would say that even in scripts written by women, a lot of times you can't escape those patriarchal footholds because it's internalized by the women writing the scripts. I also think that we live in a culture where weaponized incompetence predominantly in male groups is widely accepted and even encouraged. The idea of essentially a man going from a mother to a wife and having nothing change is, I mean, that's hugely indicative in failure to launch. So I would completely agree with that statement. But I don't think that it's necessarily a sinister plot so much as something that occurs often in media. And I think, too, that women are encouraged to have a tighter focus on community and relationships, whereas men are taught rugged independence more often than not and camaraderie is typically focused around more violent acts, sports, hunting, that sort of thing to be really traditional in the viewpoint of it. And if you're looking for sentimentality within community, in media, you're going to be drawn to romantic comedies. I love personally not only watching romantic comedies, but also listening to romantic comedy like audiobooks reading romantic comedies and it's really pervasive theme of having a male figure there to support and protect and da da da, da while the woman is more passive and just so amazed by his rough exterior and how it softens for her and I think that's also one of the biggest problems that I see in rom-coms is the idea of a man only being kind to this specific person. He has a weird soft spot for like this particular woman. I don't know if you've seen Say Anything. We will have to add that to the list. But that movie you're going to find highly problematic and I am excited for it. Although I do want to say that I love the act, uh, the actor John Cusack, who is the main love interest in that. Not as much as I love his sister Joan. Have you seen Better Off Dead? No. I don't think that, that that's not a rom-com, but it does have John Cusack. And I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I loved that movie when I was younger. Yeah, give me a nice John or Joan, and I'm in. That's my conspiracy theory, and I do think that you're right. I'm not saying there's like a council of people. I don't know. It could be a cabal. People love a good cabal. No, you know what? Shit, no. They like kebabs. Fuck! Sorry, that went off topic. You were saying. I would love to see research because I do think that whether or not intentionally, I think rom-coms are a tool of the patriarchy to maintain a certain hold on women, sort of have them police themselves in a way. 
And we are seeing this, uh, a surge of scary behaviors on TikTok right now. I've seen a lot of discourse around the kind of getting back to like homesteading and whatever. And there's all these women that are like baking things, but then like while they're doing it, they're also preaching this, you have to feed your man and take care of your family. And I'm not saying that those are inherently bad things, but the way that it's being filtered through these videos to young women is a little sinister. And I think there's a lot to be said about how women intentionally or not are tools themselves for perpetuating a lot of these crappy ideas. So anywho, we can come out of conspiracy corner now, but uh, just wanted to say that. That's generally why I don't love these movies is I just feel like there's a lot of things that are positioned in a way where I don't think that the film is saying whatever's happening is bad or toxic. It's positioned in a way that you're supposed to find that romantic. And if you don't have the tools to be able to watch the film and know that that's unacceptable behavior, which a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old will not have because they're a tiny human, they've barely experienced life, then they're going to think that that's the kind of romantic behavior that they want. Rom-coms can be tools of oppression. Whether or not they are were designed that way, I do think that they function that way. I completely agree with that. I think in talking about homesteading, I want it known that I am very big into uh, homesteading TikTok and general media. But it's less so in the crunchy to alt-right pipeline way and more so in a doomsday prepper way where I can eventually just go fuck off and live at a small cottage a la Kate Winslet with my garden and my bees and just be a little bit more self-sustaining so I don't have to see people. But we, we're, not, we're not trad wives here. Well, we want to thank all of our listeners who took the time to write us messages, record audio notes for us, and send them our way. We appreciated hearing from each and every one of you, and we hope that we will continue to hear from you as we move into season two. Madison, before we wrap up this episode, I would like to know one thing that you are really excited for going into season two. So Chelsea, we have, if we can arrange it, this is not set in stone at all. But if we can arrange it, I'm really hoping that we get to watch a truly ridiculous movie, potentially featuring Cher, with a guest star on the episode who is way too smart way too cultured and way too respectable to be on this podcast. I really hope we pull this will be the best con of our lives if we can pull this off. <laughs> it really will. They didn't say no. We've brought this up to this person and they said, I'm not saying no, but we'll see. That's given me all the hope <laughs> in the world. And hope is a thing with feathers, Chelsea. That perches in the soul. Oh my God, look at you. I was hoping you would continue because I actually don't know uh, what comes after. I don't either. I don't know either. Um, it does something, 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 and never something at all. 
Look, Chelsea, I'm here for dick jokes, not Dickinson jokes. I can't provide you the smart talk. Incredible. You know who could? <laughs> Our hopeful guest. Yep. Oh, God. In addition to somebody else that I think will be on the podcast at some point in the future. So I am excited for the guests, both real and imagined, that will be on next season. <laughs> imagined it just sounds like we're gonna invite our imaginary friend i think what we should tell this person to convince them to get on the show is that they could use an alias if they so choose oh my god i love that perfect chelsea what are you really excited about i am excited for the couple of reverse episodes i have in mind they're gonna be fun to talk about uh, there's one recently that I came across in one of those many targeted TikToks that came across my FYP. <laughs> and my response was, that's a rom-com? And then I'm like, well, I guess we could talk about it. And you said you hadn't seen it. So that's exciting. Um, I'm also really looking forward to having an entire season where your audio sounds good. Look, trial by fire, baby. But now we learned that it's the butt setting. I'm also looking forward to all of the the tangents we will run off on together. We say some smart things. Sometimes I'm editing us and I'm like, you know what? We're silly, but we have some points. I really look forward to telling the same five personal stories over again. And me reminding you, you've actually already said this on the air. Yeah. We don't need to go through this again. Look, Chelsea, I'm going to make a great dad one day. Also, everyone should know that if Madison tells a story on the podcast, I've already heard it eight times. That's not fair, Chelsea. You've heard it at least 12. You need to... Set the facts straight. You've heard it at least a dozen times. But overall, Chelsea, I'm just really grateful that anyone's listening to this at all. I was telling my mom the other day, I was like, yeah, I think like this last episode uh, in the first week, we had 40 different listeners and that's 38 more than I expected. Truly, I am floored at the number of people that have tuned in. And even though I do know many of you, I do not know all of you. And I'm really grateful that you have taken the time to, you know, allow us to accompany you on your ride to work while you do laundry, your chores, whether or not you are anxiously awaiting the new episode to drop, which I know a few of you are, or pleasantly surprised to hear us say a funny joke here and there. Um, we really appreciate every single one of you. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening every week. Oh, and I did have one additional ad that Paul wanted to say, which was that he wanted to defend exactly one element of Never Been Kissed, which is that he is glad that it had the inclusion of a former heavyweight champion and that all films discussed would be improved by the inclusion of former world heavyweight champion David Arquette wearing his championship belt for the entire runtime. I think he just wants this to be a wrestling podcast, and I don't think we can accommodate that request. We absolutely cannot, and I refuse. For the sake of that one listener, I will now perform a Ric Flair woo. Woo! Okay. All right, Madison, what are we kicking off season two with? Let me tell you, Chelsea, I thought about this for a while and we are kicking off season two with The Wedding Date because it features Dermot Mulroney, whose name I always butcher and who I would argue somehow is one of the hottest rom-com leading men. 
It also features Amy Adams as a complete bitch, which I kind of love. Speaking of Amy Adams, do you remember that she was on an episode of Buffy? What episode of Buffy was she on? She was on an episode of Buffy in season four, I believe. She plays Tara's cousin. Oh, okay. I'm with you. Wow, that is a cameo. Anyway, we didn't really bring up Buffy in an authentic way. Uh, we talked about my obsession. I just saw an opportunity and I and I took it. I appreciate that. And I also would like to state that one of my favorite things that I do talking about movies is that I either refer to bigger named actors playing smaller roles, either as cameos or jump scares, depending on what the act, who the actor is. So I'm guessing that you are in favor of Amy Adams. Yeah. Since it's not a jump scare. Yep. Amy Adams, cameo. James Franco, jump scare. Oh, boy. Well, Chelsea, I've really enjoyed going through this season with you. And I'm glad that I got the opportunity to make you watch all the movies that you loved and all the movies that you loved to hate. It has been quite a time, Madison. I don't totally want to say thank you (laughs) because some of these have been truly horrendous, but I will continue to do this uh, with you so long as we both shall live. Aww. I'll go crochet you a ring. (laughs) Good. It's about time. I proposed that we continue podcasting together in our season finale. My hand's empty. Well, we are really excited to start our new adventure with season two. You just have one more week to wait, and then we will be back in your ears on February 1st. That is the first Wednesday in February, which perfect timing, you know, the month of love, right? (laughs) Or more accurately, Groundhog Day. We're doing this all over again, baby. Chelsea, do you know the purpose of Groundhog Day? The actual Groundhog Day or the movie with Bill Murray? You know what? Yes. But uh, <laughs> Groundhog Day is actually based on a pagan holiday called Imolk, which is actually just a holiday telling you that bears are coming out of hibernation, so don't get eaten. That's important. It is. I'm terrified of bears. I don't know if you knew this. But I'm scared of bears so much. Is it because they can run 40 miles per hour? So any bear within 40 miles of you could be at your place in an hour? (laughs) That is terrifying. Also, there's the, you know, the trick is like brown lie down, black fight back. Except that some black bears are brown and some brown bears are black bears. Or brown bears are black bears, but they're brown. So how am I supposed to know which one is which? (laughs) I I think you just, I think you just get the fuck out of Dodge, my dude. I, you can't climb a tree because they can climb a tree. They can crack open things. They're heavy as fuck. I'm terrified. Bears are terrifying. (laughs) I'm terrified of bears. I don't even know what we were talking about because my heart is racing so fast (laughs) thinking about bears. Oh God. I'm so scared. But yeah, we'll be back for Groundhog Day. Where bears are coming out of hibernation and Chelsea will be returning to hibernation out of fear. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at love at first screening. And if you'd like to tell us most anything, you can write in to love at first screening at gmail.com. We are here every Wednesday talking about all the movies you love, love to hate, and everything in between. So until February 1st, 